baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It is Wednesday, the 24th. Been very nice. A lot of people texting in with birthday messages. That's been fun. Yes. Very nice. Don't you just love your birthday? I do. So do I. I do like it. Some people don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan, you're you're like in a... I'm lukewarm. You're lukewarm. Yeah. You don't dislike it. Right. But... I also don't want a ton of attention. He doesn't right. like that attention. You love it. Correct. You're loving it. So... What's your move on on a friend's birthday? Do you like post on their Facebook page? Do you text? Do you call? Uh, probably text. Yeah. Probably a nice text. Yeah. I think the text is. I think that's the move. Mm-hmm. That's the move. Mm-hmm. Like I like the Facebook posts. Like it's very nice. Yeah. But I'm gonna be honest. I have not looked at a single one of them. Today. Yeah. Right. And the text is a little more personal. Yeah, and they're doing it because they truly are wanting to wish you a nice day instead of just trying to be funny on your page and get some likes and stuff. You know? Do you do you think if Facebook didn't remind people of birthdays, would it shut down? I feel like it's the <laughs> it is the fundamental. I would be fascinated to see like how much how much action on Facebook is that? Right, it's just, very helpful. It is helpful. Yes. I know. I went and checked this morning. Sure. Just to double check. I'm like, I think today's Vanita's birthday, too. I just wanted to make yeah. sure it was right. What are the odds of that? It is strange to have uh, the morning show and the afternoon show. Yep. And she left her happy birthday little banner that up was for nice. you to enjoy, too. Isn't that nice? That was very nice. I'm and gonna and go she home. left a little present. Oh, did she? Wasn't that nice? Oh, very nice. Dan brought, brought some cake with candles. Wow, very And when cool. I walked into the office, he was like... Oh, clapping happy, for happy you. Happy birthday. Like a seal. Happy, say, no. Yes. You, yeah, like a TGI didn't. Friday's waiter. <laughs> well, I'm going to go home and make some Brussels sprouts and chickpea pasta and shrimp mm. in in your honor. That sounds, That'll be my birthday. That sounds very tasty. <laughs> very tasty. Oh, uh, well, it's healthy. There there is a line between healthy and tasty. There so, is. Sometimes it's yeah. Yeah. I, w- I was talking, you know, so I celebrated my birthday today by going to a weigh-in at Libya. Oh, yeah. That's exciting. And they were like, uh, Molly at the Coon Rapids Center is like, uh, sort of thought you were going to cancel this today <laughs> on your birthday. I'm like, I don't know why I did this Well, today. but if you got it out of the way first thing in the day, or yeah, early in the day, fine, no big deal. You yeah. wouldn't have wanted to go maybe like later in the day after you've had a bunch of birthday treats and cake. And- True. Whatever well, else. Exactly. Well, and you got to live. You got to yes, live. You it's do. your birthday. It's fine. Yep. Sure it's is. It's fine. I went to a uh, a new restaurant last night mm. that's just opening. Uh, it's called Dario. Okay. So it officially opens, I think, on Friday. So they were doing like friends and family. Where is it? It's, uh, <laughs> so I was telling one friend, I'm like, it is across the street from the Hewing mm-hmm. Hotel on Washington. And then, like, down that little road. Yep. And 
Then I tried to explain that to another friend, and I reframed the conversation and said, it's by deja vu. Oh, well. And they were like, oh, I yeah. know exactly where that is. Exactly. A little different. So it's sort of off of that road there. Okay. But they're doing, I think we're in like a really interesting time for pasta. Mm. Like when you think of the the best restaurant for pasta in the Twin Cities, maybe you think like there are some old school red sauce places, yes. right? Which are fun. Like St. Paul has a bunch of great like old school. Right. Bar La Grassa, I think, has sort of been the king of, like, the elevated pasta for a okay. while. And this is, this place has some of the, like, the shapes and the texture of the wow. pasta. It's so beautiful. So we'll just see. The question is always is, like, are people willing to, the quality is there. Right. Like, are you willing to pay for it? Is it expensive? Is it It is, yeah, because it's, well, it's really handcrafted okay. stuff. So yeah. this pasta it must take them forever and to make it. Do they make it fresh right and they there? Make all, yeah, can they, you watch them do it? Is it one of those kind of places? You can see it through, yeah. Okay. Their kitchen's open, so you can see it. And cool. you see, like, the pasta extruder. And they post, like, videos on their Instagram, which is cool, too. Nice. So it's kind of fun. It's always interesting to go to a place before they're officially open. Mm-hmm. Because sort of the contract of that deal is, like, they invite friends and family. And you give feedback. And mm-hmm. you have to be honest. Because okay. they are legitimately trying to get better. Right. But it's very, like, I would never review a place based on, like, anything before. You know? Not at that stage. No. Right. But you see, like, how much work it takes. Yeah. Like, because there were some, like, the food was amazing. But, like, it, it's hard. Like, it's hard to run a restaurant and figure out, like, some of the stuff I never think about. But you're like, how do you know how many reservations to take? How do you know? Yeah. But I got in a very interesting conversation last night with a guy who works at another restaurant. Very popular. And it's so popular and so friendly that people like to linger. Mm-hmm. And you can't run your business if people are sitting at a table for three hours no. on a Friday night. And But you also don't want to say... Can you please leave <laughs> right. or say we have a two hour time limit or so, an hour and a half correct. time limit? Yeah. So what is what is the what do you think is the fair time limit where you're like, it's fair to say like, OK, got to go. I think after you're finished with your meal and any dessert or drinks or coffee, maybe one more half hour. OK, yeah. yeah. So it's more based on I think I wouldn't mind if someone came to me and they're like, hey, like. We're so glad you're having a good time. We do have another reservation yeah. uh, for your table. That's fair. I, w- I wouldn't be bothered. No, not at all. It's it's not very common in Minnesota, though. You see it in bigger cities okay. where they'll, they'll, you know, there aren't as many, like, firm time limits like there were during the COVID years, right. you know. But I feel like on a Friday or Saturday... Once you've passed two hours, unless you just ordered, like, a $200 bottle of wine. Right. Like, it's fair to say, like. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I don't mind. No, and they need to turn the table. And they have to turn the think table. Think of the servers who need the tips, you know. Well, yeah. You now, if you're them. if you're spending, 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 different scenario. But I, for sure, have been that guy sitting there with friends where you're yep. just having fun. Right. It's like, hmm. I yeah. think two hours is is fine. I do, too. Yeah. Maybe you have a new column with that whole concept. It's there. Inter- yeah. I feel like people have to be okay with it because I don't you think people would be furious? I made this reservation. Oh, yeah. People well, would be mad. If it was for a special occasion and it was like 
this was your big event and yeah. you were kind of anticipating maybe a lot of people and a, like a part more of a party atmosphere that might take more than two hours. I think that's okay if you let them know ahead of time that that's your intention. Yeah. And maybe they can put you in a special place or at a special table right. where... Or at least like yeah. figure it out. Yeah. But like there's just no way. There are a couple spots that in town that are so jam-packed. Yeah. And if you stay for... Well, basically what happens is if you had that 8 o'clock reservation, you're maybe not getting seated till 8.30 or 8.45. Right. Yeah. And then that person's annoyed. So yeah. who, who do you, I don't know. I think it's all right to tell people, like, thanks for playing. Yeah. Like, we, <laughs> get out. Get your butt out. <laughs> go do something else. It's all right. Come back again. Do you know about cicadas? Yes. So we have cicadas up here. Oh, yeah. Not Not the way they have them, like, in Milwaukee and Chicago and parts of Iowa and to the south. But... Doesn't it seem like every year there's some big like, oh, this year the it's been 20 years and the cicadas are coming out. Every year there's some new cicada story and this year is no, no different. Okay. The headline, we're in for a cicada double whammy. Mm. In a 221-year first, two cicada broods to emerge together. Ooh. Up to a trillion cicadas, the first time since 1803 wow. that the great southern brood and the northern Illinois brood will both come out. So growing up in Chicago, every 17 years, you would have the cicadas. Really? And they would emerge. And, you know, every year you'd have some cicadas, right? And here we get cicadas. I think we, we get them every year here, like right around state fair time. But it's different. So when, like, the giant, there, there are these 17-year cicadas, and we don't get them up here. Okay, but so this is a different, like, a, a different little, form of cicadas, like a different yes, gene? It must be. Okay. But so many come out, and uh, when the ground hits 64 degrees, so this is, like, mid-May to early June, the, the males have a hundred decibel buzz hundred wow. decibel so it's as loud as a motorcycle i need to hear this i know that sounds I, amazing we, we really we we could maybe cook could look up like what a what a sound what it sounds like <laughs> what a 100 decibel cicada sounds like right yes. right wow but i remember as a kid i used to ride my bike to the swimming pool that i worked at it was like a two mile ride mm-hmm. so i'd ride my bike to the swimming pool and they're one of the years was one of these 17-year cicadas, and it was screeching loud. Wow. So loud. That's freaky. But the men are buzzing to attract the women, Uh because this is what we do. The women lay their eggs in slits on tree branches, and those branches get so heavy, the tree branches start to fall down. This is a problem. First of all, why do they have to make their noise so loud like that? They're trying to attract the ladies like the ladies want to go toward that loud, annoying sound. Those cicada ladies, there's nothing they love better. Let's hear it. Let's just hear that sound one more time. (laughs) 
They might need to actually cross over and go for the grasshopper instead of the cicada. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you are, I mean, I have so many thoughts about cicada. Oh. Oh, there we are. In a forest. Now, these are cicadas at heat. Well, if those are all males making that noise, that's a problem. Obviously, it's all males. (laughs) And the women are like, but the women are aroused. By it, they're enjoying it. How does a cicada get aroused, Jason? How would you describe that? <laughs> I'd like to know. Uh, uh, <laughs> Maybe not. So the, it is a <laughs> Romeo and Juliet scenario, though, with the cicadas because they, uh, the men, make their sound. The cicadas molt, they mate, so it's a lot of, and then the cicadas die. Mm. They're only around for four weeks. And if you were only around for four weeks, maybe like that just horrific sound would get it done for All you. All bets I don't are know. off. Yep. Right. You're like, what do I Let's care? Let's go. Clock's ticking. That's right. And then, <laughs> but then when they're gone, like I remember in suburban Chicago, they bring out the street sweepers because <sighs> it was dead. dead cicadas ever. Oh my God. Which riding your bike. Crunch. I mean, it, it was a bit of a hazard. Back. <laughs> you could slip on those babies. You could squirt the guts out all over the road. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yuck. But we, we're we going to miss out. We're going to miss out. Too bad. <laughs> Should we plan a show trip in mid- <laughs> To Chicago. Do you think Colette would do a tour? <laughs> Join CCO's Jason DeRussia to witness one week of pure cicada love. Yes. I love it. You know, I'm doing a story in the next few days on women who book adventure travel trips, mm. and it's pretty cool. That is cool. I doubt they would ever book a, an adventure travel trip to follow the cicadas, no. the call of the cicadas, but you never know. You never know. You never know. There's a crowd for everything. <laughs> I, you only need like 20 <laughs> people is. to make it make sense. Uh, Laura, thank you. It's 522, de-rush hour news headlines coming up in just a minute. Great work on the sound there, Dan, by the way. From cicadas to rats... The rat hole. Have you heard about this in Chicago? It is a symbol of maybe the end of civilization, that we have just completely lost our minds. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about texting with your head down. It's not just dangerous as you're walking. It's changing the way our body is shaped. Plus, a Minnesotan on TV looking for love, not a cicada, a human, when we come back. D-Rush Hour news headlines on this January 24th in the Twin Cities. We had social media-driven silliness about a flood in a strip mall parking lot called Lake Chipotle. In Chicago, the silliness is the Chicago rat hole. We're on a date? They went on a date to the rat hole. That's CBS 2 in Chicago with the story of the rat hole on a sidewalk that has become a nationally known icon because we're idiots. We're just idiots. We have the attention span of a rat. We are directed to any sort of bright, shiny object. We are so morose and down in the dumps due to our national politics that we are looking for relief anywhere. There is a marriage proposal at the rat hole. It's been nicknamed Splat Atui. But many residents in this neighborhood are over it. They're sick and tired of their block becoming a tourist attraction. There's a list of complaints on Reddit by neighbors.
you know, and some of it is like traffic and loitering and news cameras and that stuff. And some of it is drug paraphernalia and vapes being left behind and litter. And you're like, you know what? Like, I know we all think we're so clever, so funny. But the next time you see like some sort of idiotic social media driven frenzy, like just go to the library, right? Like enough rat hole. We all do it. We stare at our phones while we're walking down the street, heads bent over, eyes down. Mm. Indeed, our devices can cause what some experts call inattentional blindness. One study found that, this is amazing, the, the, the researchers sent a clown on a unicycle, right? And you're like, well, everyone's going to see that. People walking and talking on a phone were half as likely to notice a clown on a unicycle. So the New York Times reporting, look, that screen in your hand isn't just diverting your attention. It also changes your mood, your gait, and your posture, and it hinders your ability to get from point A to point B without running into trouble. One doctor saying just the physicality of holding it changes how we move. We walk about 10% slower than people not holding the phone. It also increases the amount of load on your neck and upper back muscles, which can contribute to symptoms of what they call text neck. That's something my physical therapist actually talked me about, like some exercises to kind of strengthen up your shoulders because of looking at the phone. Another study says you have a higher risk of stumbling or falling. Put the phone in your pocket. You're just walking down the street. A reminder that homelessness is not just an issue in the urban core. Washington County wants to build an emergency shelter in Stillwater. Mary Devine and the Pioneer Press reporting they want to do it on the government center grounds in Stillwater, which is a big piece of property. It's a 29-acre campus. This shelter will be one and a half acres, southeast corner. Cost $12 million. Hopefully it'll open the fall of next year. And it will be for emergency shelter. Uh, average day would be about 90 days. The idea of having these shelters is that when you have people in the same place, you can have the wraparound services. So connections to permanent housing, job stuff, public health, legal health, social support, economic support, that sort of thing. $7 million for the American Rescue Plan Act. That'll be part of it. And the county is asking the state for $5 million. There is another Minnesotan on national TV looking for love. If you're 25 and you grew up in Minnesota, but you live in San Diego, do you do you get to say you're from Minnesota forever? We should dig into this if she stays in this show for a while. I think it's a bit of a fraud. You grew up in Minnesota, Latida. She's trying to seem more like, you know, a better story. Daisy Kent is her name. She pulls up in a red truck with a spruce tree in the back because she grew up on a Christmas tree farm. She actually is really cool, this Daisy. Uh, She's 25, lives in San Diego, shared the story of her hearing loss. She lost her hearing because she had Lyme disease, and then she gained it with a cochlear implant. She has 44,000 followers on TikTok as she shared that story. Is it because her story is amazing, or is it because young Daisy Kent is gorgeous? Uh, She hit it off nicely with this bachelor. The dude's name is Joey. He's a tennis pro. 
They kissed. She got a rose. So there you go. 533, that's the D-Rush Hour news headlines. Uh, In just a minute, Joe Tamburino will join us. Lots of questions about the big breaking news story of the day. News that the Hennepin County attorney has filed murder charges against a state trooper who fired a gun uh, inside a car as uh, Ricky Cobb was trying to speed away with two troopers half in, half out of the car. Now murder charges. Joe will talk about that in just a minute here on CCO. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's been almost six months since a state trooper shot and killed Ricky Cobb during a traffic stop on Interstate 94 at 2 in the morning, July 31st. We've seen video from what happened that day. The facts of what happened that day are not at least at this point, really in much dispute. So I was very surprised today when Hennepin County Attorney Mary Moriarty announced that she was charging Trooper Ryan Londegren with second-degree unintentional murder, first-degree assault, and second-degree manslaughter. Joe Tamburino is a criminal defense attorney, a legal analyst, and joins us in studio to talk about this. And, Joe, these are the same charges that Derek Chauvin was no, actually, they're quite different. They are that's, different. Okay. Yeah, that's what surprised me. I mean, count two of this complaint charges the trooper with an intentional act, that he intentionally committed first-degree assault, which means shooting someone, intentionally doing that, and causing them great bodily harm or death. Uh, Mr. Chauvin and Ms. Potter, for that matter, were never charged with intent crimes. Uh, no compl- first-degree assault for that. No, no first-degree assault. And the complaint really doesn't make a lot of sense, quite frankly, because you're saying he didn't he did an unintentional act, meaning he unintentionally killed Mr. Cobb pursuant to count one and count three. But in count two, they're saying it was all intentional. It's really a confusing mm. complaint. And I am confused by because... If you're a trooper and you shoot, you're not shooting for fun. Like, it's intentional, That's right? right. Yes. But the issue becomes whether or not it's reasonable force. That's another thing that the complaint is missing. In a lot of these situations, usually an expert will be hired by the prosecutor and say, in his or her expert opinion, uh, the force was unreasonable. They should not have used deadly force. We saw that all the time in Chauvin and in Potter. Uh, We don't see that here in this complaint. And that, I think, and Mary Moriarty said in her news conference today, is because it was uh, perceived as reasonable force. What she is arguing is something that I've never heard argued before. I, I find it very interesting, and I'll be very curious to see how it plays out in court. She is arguing that officers and troopers are trained that in a situation like this where you got somebody behind the wheel of a car, and you're in the car, they are trained that shooting that person does not end the threat. It doesn't accomplish the goal. So if the fear is that, oh, no, Ricky Cobb's going to step on the gas and drag us off and we're going to be injured or killed, 
they are trained that by shooting him, it does not mitigate that threat because, well, we've seen plenty of times people after they've been shot still are have their foot on the gas and they're still going. The threat is still there. Does that 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 argument is sort of why she said, well, we didn't need a use of force expert because the issue is that the training was that this use of force doesn't work in this scenario. Does that do you buy that? I've never heard that before. It's very interesting. No. And if that's what she said, she got the law absolutely wrong because training is not the law. If you break a rule in your training manual here at WCCO Radio, it doesn't mean you committed a criminal act. The issue becomes, did the trooper act with reasonable force? Did he do the right thing? But if if you were trained that this force doesn't work in this scenario and you use that force, is that unreasonable force? No, not necessarily. Additionally, the complaint never says that this trooper was trained not to do that. Mm. The only thing, and you have to really look at this complaint because they pick particular words. What they say is things like the trainer said, was asked, would it be foreseeable to expect the opposite, meaning the driver would continue to leave? And the trainer said that was probably his intention. That is a lot of speculation. That's not an expert coming in to say, under the situation that the trooper was in, what he did was unreasonable or the opposite. What he did was reasonable because he was trying to protect himself and his fellow officer. Training is not the law. The law is, was there unreasonable or excessive force? Joe Tamburino is our guest. We're talking about uh, the news today that the county attorney charged a trooper in a scenario where I think when you, you know, you think about a jury and you think about a gut check on this, uh, I, I am a firm believer that just because someone is not listening to an officer, someone is being combative, that should not be an invitation for an officer to use deadly force. And, I mean, just on the surface, when you say the guy stepped on, you know, grabbed the gear shift and stepped on the gas with a trooper hanging out each side of this vehicle, like it on a gut check level, it seems like a, like a no brainer that a a trooper should be allowed to use deadly force. Doesn't it just seem like the the most obvious example of like, we're not, we're not talking about being outside the vehicle firing at a moving vehicle. We're talking about two troopers in the vehicle at this time. Yes. Because in that situation, the critical moment, and remember, this happened in less than a minute. It takes you longer to read this complaint than the trooper had time to react. It was that fast. And when you have yourself in a moving vehicle or part of your body in a moving vehicle and your partner's on the other side and you are also worried about his or her safety, of course you're going to make split decisions about what type of force you're going to use. And again, I would just go back to the complaint does not say that there's some expert who says, look, in this situation, what the trooper did was unreasonable. Um, You would need something like that to continue with the charges. Already today, the trooper's attorney has filed a number of motions trying to dismiss the charges. Uh, Is that unusual to have it the same day? I mean, these motions always come, but I was a little surprised that they were all just filed right away. Yes, obviously he was prepared. Maybe he knew the complaint was coming today. Um, No, expect a lot of motions in this case. You're going to see motions, I believe, or I'm going to guess, 
on count one of the complaint because count one is a very unusual charge where it says that the trooper committed second degree assault and that led to a murder. You're going to see a charge on that. uh, Excuse me, a motion on that. You're going to see a number of motions. One of the issues that the trooper's attorney is raising is this issue about a grand jury that Mary Moriarty convened a grand jury and did it just for fact finding purposes that they did not return an indictment. We've seen grand juries used for investigative sure. purposes without an indictment. Of course. Does he have any case here to say like she was abusing the grand jury pride? I guess I'm confused what his case might be. No. Well, here's how grand. But it is work. a little weird, right? She's like she she asked for a fa- uh, for a use of force expert and then didn't use the use of force expert. Maybe she well, got the answer she didn't want. Well, that's there's a couple of things that are very important with what you're saying. First of all, with grand juries, you can use an investigative grand jury where you impanel a grand jury, 21 people, and you bring forth witnesses and you get the witnesses to give statements under oath to the grand jury. But then that's all that you do. And you don't use them to arrive at some type of indictment. Or you could use a grand jury for the full purpose, which is you could get the witnesses to testify and then they decide about an indictment. In terms of what you mentioned that the media has reported, perhaps, you know, the prosecutor did have an expert and that expert did not agree with her from what we see in the media. That raises a whole separate issue because in that situation, a prosecutor must disclose that information to the defense. You cannot hide the ball. So if a prosecutor had an expert who said, look, Ms. Prosecutor, you don't have it. In my opinion, this is not a crime. And that is not disclosed to the defense. You will have serious problems. Joe, is there a way I I will say that I am uncomfortable with the fact that in many of the public's minds, we have two choices when it comes to a police interaction that doesn't go the way it should. I think reasonable people can look at this interaction and say, this could have been done differently. Like, did it need to be so combative? Could there have been a different way to deal with this? Should we even pull over people because of uh, taillights that are out? Like, all these things are reasonable conversations. I get concerned that there seem to be two choices. One, the officer gets off scot-free, or the officer gets charged with murder. Why are there not, you know, you broke the rules or you did this poorly or you, you know, you get fired and you can't be a cop anymore. Why is that not enough justice for where we are today as a society? It seems like these cases, if you're a prosecutor, you it's difficult to not file charges. Well, that's not the case, you see, because there is a middle ground. The prosecutor could decide to go for murder, manslaughter, or first-degree assault, even though it's confusing in this case. But the middle ground is that in many of those situations, the prosecutor could charge second-degree manslaughter, culpable negligence. And that would basically take care of a lot of these types of situations. Also, we have to look at our legislation at the Capitol. We don't have specific laws about uh, what type of crimes would be included for unreasonable force, excessive force. Some states do. We actually don't. But there is a middle ground. You don't have to go from zero to 60 and say an officer shot someone. Therefore, I'm going to always charge murder. I wish we had more specific laws on the book because we're trying to wedge just an incredibly different scenario into the scenario of a a 
you know, what we think of as a criminal murder. Right. And and you have to add on to that, that these situations are filled with expert information and testimony because you just don't charge an officer unless you have something to back it up, such as an expert who would say, you know, they've spent 30 years yeah. in law enforcement. They are a use of force expert. And in their opinion and based on national standards, this was excessive force. Joe, thank you. Appreciate it. Joe Tamburino here on CCO. 5.50, back in a minute. It is 35 degrees in downtown Minneapolis. Inside Twins is coming up here on CCO. Do you think they'll talk about Joe Maurer at all? I feel like they should. Hall of Fame, Joe Maurer. Lots of great interviews all day here on CCO. Check the Odyssey app for that. We had a great show today, too. Lots of terrific interviews about the breaking news. Lindsay Sievert joined us, former TV reporter, Check out Drive Time on Odyssey. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 